0: Welcome to Head to Toe, a series of interviews with experienced medical professionals, illuminating healthcare's history while shedding a light on its future. I'm your host, Marie McMillan, and I feel so honored to have spent time this last week with two phenomenal octogenarians who also happen to be retired nurses. Today, we will hear from Beth Reed, who worked as a nurse for more than 40 years, both at the bedside and in a nurse manager position. She gives us glimpses of her own history, the birth of emergency medicine, and many other stories between graduating in 1954 and her retirement in 1995. She is an active 85-year-old now living in a retirement facility in Portland. I have to say, I so enjoyed talking with her, and sometimes you'll hear the little bangle of her, her wrist bracelets, sometimes against the microphone. She's just, she's a wonderful character, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Okay. Here we are. Welcome to Head to Toe. Yeah. I'm here with Beth Reed, a retired nurse from originally McMinnville mm-hmm. and then moved to greater, greater Seattle area, worked there, and is now retired in Portland. So thank you for being with me. So my first question is, where did you go to school, what year did you finish training, and how long did you work in the nursing field altogether?
1: Oh, well, I, I uh, went to Emanuel Hospital School of Nursing uh, through their diploma program. And um, I graduated in 1954, and I worked at Emanuel for about three years after I graduated in the OR, <clears throat> and uh, and then we started a family and moved up to the Seattle area. And my son was born in 1961, and I went back to work in 1962. Um, I, I made a commitment to work one year full time in the OR at the local hospital there. So. Mm-hmm. And then I've I've been in nursing all my life. I mean I I never
0: did anything else. Well, I, I... other than be a mother and like right generally, no, an amazing I, I, person. Uh,
1: <laughs> I tried to retire three times, and they talked me into
0: staying. gave me offers
1: I couldn't refuse, and so I just stayed.
0: <laughs> wow. So altogether, looking at if I'm doing my math correctly, For, um, probably almost thirty five. Forty years in nursing, my all together. Wow! Did you ever have to uh, go back? And did you just hold your diploma degree the whole time, or did they ever make you go back in?
1: And- um, I started to go back, and uh, and then I, I was divorced, and I had two children to raise, and I just couldn't. There was just I had a very responsible job, so I couldn't double and go back and go. It something. wouldn't have made any difference, salary rise, whether I'd gotten a master's, right at that point, right, exactly.
0: Um what kinds of nursing work did you do? So you did some operating room experience?
1: I worked in the OR, um, mostly and then <clears throat> um well I was at um I worked at Overlake Hospital in Bellevue. I wor- was working evenings in the OR, three days a week. And occasionally it would get busy down in the ER and ERs were just literally a room at that point. Um uh, you didn't have full time physicians or nursing staff and so I would float down there once in a while. And uh, and then I got more and more interested in emergency nursing, and uh, it was just becoming a specialty when I got into it. And so in, in 1971, I was asked to take administrative uh, position,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I did until I retired in 95. So
0: My goodness. Same, Same hospital.
1: S- I didn't have to change jobs oh. um, because emergency nursing was
0: just evolving and changing and you saw it start. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at the right place at the right time. Oh, my goodness. So it started off as a room with what would, what in 1971, what oh, did the ER have in it?
1: It, it was just a, you, don't, you had a, a, maybe one or two rooms with one or two stretchers in there. Um, and, of course, you didn't have full-time phys- physicians. Um, in a, a place like um, Overlake, it was a small community hospital, 100-bed hospital. And so... Um, Physicians on staff, they were expected to take a shift in the ER so many times a year sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So so one day you'd have a dermatologist, and the next day you'd have a surgeon, and then sometimes you have an OB. And so you didn't have, the only things that came into the ER were accidents okay. primarily. Okay. You know, by ambulance or people having a heart attack. Uh-huh. People didn't go to the ER for a sprained uh, finger or thumb or yeah. Or right. the flu or the cold, and, right? You know, right. So they weren't utilized as they, like mm-hmm. they are now, and uh, we always ha- said that we had one experience. One of the physicians that I worked with um, had moonlighted when he was an orthopedic resident in an ER in California, and he and I worked one famous Fourth of July uh, holiday. He and I were the only two people on staff, and we saw fifty-two people in an eight hours. Mm-hmm. It ran the gamut of you know very serious accidents and so forth, and um, and that's kind of how our whole philosophy developed then because it was such a crazy night and and Dick said to me, if they need an X-ray just get an X-ray don't ask me if we can get an X-ray just get the X-ray <sighs> if they need tetanus, give them tetanus he says I'll sign off on anything. And that was the way we worked. And of course, later on, those became protocols. Sure. And you know, there was a lot more <laughs> legal, right? Thought put to it, but it was our, our uh, whole mission that
0: night was just to make it through the shift. As as it is sometimes now, but yes, right. That part hasn't changed. But <laughs> but
1: he knew how to. You know, you don't have to do a whole head to toe exam on somebody that's coming in with a sprained finger. Or something.
0: Right. What made you become a nurse in the very first place?
1: Um, that actually was I was going to, to uh, teach history and in fact I went to the University of Oregon for two years as a history major and uh, our family doctor had decided that I should really be a nurse and so he um, got me a, a job in the local hospital it was a little tiny I don't know how many beds they had hospital and I was everybody's summer relief you know when, one week I'd wash dishes and the next week I'd scrub floors and and then next week I'd put up packs in the OR and
0: wow that was before you went to nursing school and
1: yeah and and I you know I did that for a couple of years and thought well this is kind of interesting you know so that's how it changed and so when I decided that I wanted to go into nursing uh to have gone into the degree program I would have had to go another year of college because I didn't have you know the college and I didn't want to do that because you know I was getting older I needed to get on with life right <laughs> And so I I did the 3 year course at Emanuel mm-hmm. and Emanuel was distinct in that they ran um, a degree program and diploma program at the same time And of course we we did a lot of hands on mm-hmm. things so that when when we graduated from nursing school we could take a full patient load Mhm and now, uh, you know, they just don't have the hands-on experience. They've got the the other stuff, but they don't. So the hospitals are now going back and doing internships with new nurses so that they can.
0: Absolutely, they are, yeah. using. Yeah. Uh,
1: some of the things that we did were probably very repetitious, but um, it's certainly you learn time management without getting a course on time management. I mean, you you, you practiced it all the time. Mm-hmm. And when we became senior students, we even took charge. I mean, there was always a charge nurse looking over our shoulder, but right. we, we essentially did the job of a charge nurse.
0: So my next question is, you're kind of alluding to it already, is what was nursing practice like when you first started and how have you seen it change? We've talked a little bit about that, but there's anything specific that you, you think about when you think about the, your, your long career and how things changed over time?
1: I think because nurses get so little hands-on training now they haven't really come out with a specialty in terms of this you know this is what I really because I know once I got to the OR I thought oh this is what I want to do I mean it was just a good fit and I don't think that you if you've never actually scrubbed in on a case or you've only done one you certainly don't get that that experience and I I think and I think there's, that's missing because people come out of nursing not knowing where they want to go and what they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We threw everything out and I think we maybe should have kept a few of the the things.
0: Do you think that the work of nursing has changed over time? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean,
0: there's been so many
1: advances in nursing so that, you know, obviously your, your role changes. Mm-hmm. But uh, at one point, in nursing, Actually, this is before I was in nursing, but nurses weren't allowed to take blood pressures. That was the physician's job.
0: Sorry, I'm and, having and a moment. And the fact <laughs> that a nurse
1: would wear a stethoscope around her neck was like, oh, who does she think she is? Wow. And now it's just part of your uniform. So it's, it's changed a, a great deal. And, then, and by the same token, nursing has given up a lot of, of things that they used to always do and i know that i can remember our nursing arts instructor we used to say you don't give a patient a bed bath just to get them clean because how dirty can you get lying in bed but that is the time that you observe the patient you talk to the patient you find out what's going on you can look at their skin and you know and these things and so um i think we had a a really good background uh, with our nursing instructors, because they were not saying, you're just not giving a bath. You're doing a lot more in in doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. How did your career in nursing affect your life outside of it?
1: I, I get a lot of grief from my friends because I alphabetize all my spices. And I said, to well, how else do you <laughs> find your spices? But, it, you know, in the OR and the ER, they're both places that if you reach up th- there, you know that such and such a, an item is, is right on that third shelf, and so you you become a little OCD. Everything has to have its place, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And my children uh, felt that they they didn't get the uh, all of the the sympathy that they deserve sometimes with the, their hours and so forth. Because <laughs> they said you'd never take us to the ER, and I said, Why You're should fine. I take you to the ER? I can do it here at home. <laughs>
0: You did it with another doctor and saw 52 patients in yeah, eight hours. Right. <laughs> Poor kids.
1: <laughs> so I, I think, you know, you, you find out that you pick up really strange habits that, that other mm-hmm. people think are a little off the wall just because of the type of nursing that you do sometimes.
0: Did you ever wish you worked in a different area of nursing? Or
1: uh, No, because I I could have done, you know, I, I obviously when I was in school I did bedside nursing mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I did pediatrics. We mm-hmm. took our mental health down to the psych hospital in Salem, mm-hmm. which was a whole experience in mm-hmm. itself. But uh, yeah, uh, and I, I think nursing is a, a wonderful background because there there are so many different kinds of things that you go go into uh, mm-hmm. now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even more than there were when I, I was in nursing.
0: Can you think of a story about a patient or a family or a doctor or a coworker that has left a lasting impression on you?
1: Oh, there's probably a lot. I, uh, there's one, one story that always is kind of stuck out in my mind, and it's a very sad story, but of a, a single mother uh, whose son was in a uh, motorcycle accident and had to have a leg amputated. I happened to have taken care of her son when he came into the the ER, and then I spent a great deal of time with the mother because she was having to make all of these decisions, and I I kind of uh, identified with her because of the fact that she was divorced It had been a not a very friendly divorce sort of thing, and so she didn't. Ha- but you know, it was like I have to tell his father, but he'll blame me for the accident sort of thing, and um, and I could really identify with her her feelings and. Um, and I remember saying to her, the thing is that no matter how you feel, he is still the father. You know, you're the only one that can tell him. And uh, so she, she actually, she did. I placed the phone call and gave her the phone. But And I, I heard for her for many, many years. Uh, I would get a, just a note out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, mm-hmm. and thanking me for you know taking the time to to do that, and uh, and it kind of taught it taught me a lesson that you know that I needed to be able to rise above it and and do this thing because I knew how hard it was for her to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I think it affected my relationship with my ex. Mm-hmm. In fact, that I you know I would let him know these.
0: Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't have that kind of a Tragedy,
1: right. but uh, but that there was a reason to to do you know mm-hmm. rise above it.
0: How did her son do? Do you do you know how he did? By me? How, do you know how her son did after the accident? He actually
1: did quite well. He was a, a young athletic kid uh, in good health. Other than that, and um, he had a good attitude about it. He really didn't, and I'm sure that his mother helped him a lot mm-hmm. uh, with that. But uh, uh, he did he did fine. So I, I always kind of felt it was one of my success stories. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very dramatic, but it just, you know.
0: Right. You took it with you. Yeah. Yeah. In the ICU now, I feel like patients, th- today in 2016, that patients are so much sicker than they ever have been.
1: Well, because they used to die. I mean, literally. I mean, that sounds very harsh, but that, no, that's you're right. just we're saving people now that we never did before. Right. And people are living
0: longer. hmm absolutely I think there is a resistance to allowing people to die and I think of course you know we we still do everything we can I think that yeah we live in a litigious society and I think doctors these days are having to pay exorbitant insurance for you know malpractice and like the way they're trained is to always think of providing the options and it's it's of course it's the patient's choice and the patient's family's choice but you're but you're right i think that the uh the, the bit of the humanity of allowing somebody to die has escaped uh,
1: and yeah and and i think that sometimes i think we're starting to gradually go over the other direction but you know i think people that had been in the medical profession by and large uh had a pretty good grasp of of what they would put up with and what they wouldn't put up with you know that uh and I think it's taken the profession as a whole dealing with other people, uh, and I, I see it around here all the time. Uh, you know, I live in a, a retirement facility, uh, so everybody's in their seventies, eighties, nineties, over a hundred years old. And it used to be that when you went into the doctor, that that they told you what you would do. And what I'm seeing now is that more and more of us say. I'm telling this doctor that this is what I'll do and this is what I'm not going to do. And I don't want to live to be 100. And so I think there's a gradual shift in the medical... I've seen it myself in terms of... what. The last time I had to change doctors because my doctor retired. And that's mm. the other part of them. Your doctor starts retiring on you. <laughs> and, uh, um, and so... What was interesting was I saw this new physician and he said to me, "How can we work together?" And I thought that is a refreshing statement. And I told him, "You know, I don't want to live to be a hundred. If I do, that's okay. But I'm not going to do."
0: You want to live if you're going to make it to a hundred, you want to live well, <laughs> right? Right.
1: And uh, and so I think that slowly they're becoming that they're not the authority on my life. I am the authority of my
0: life. Mm-hmm. Do you think for maybe your generation that's hard to speak up like that growing up and like where the doctor told you what to do and then now? Oh, I,
1: yeah. I I think, you know, that the, the whole thing is changing. It's taken a long time. Oh, right. I mean, I, I still, when I went to school and if you were sitting at the desk charting mm-hmm. and a doctor walked up and wanted to sit down, you got up and gave him your chair. Now, come on. <laughs> But that was expected. Mm-hmm. I, I
0: can't. I can't say that that happens anymore. <laughs> so I would say that that is progress. Would you
1: agree? <laughs> oh, oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but I mean, we thought nothing of it, right? You know, the. I mean, God is here, so <laughs> give him your share. <laughs> and it. you know, there are some f- physicians that were sure that that's what they were. But uh, so that I think that's a good thing. Yeah, the, the things are changing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Certainly, I think it's more collaborative. I, I have physicians oh, ask more. me much all more. the time, what do you think? You're with the patient a little bit more. Like, we, How can we work together for you? I, I hear that statement a lot, and yeah. I think that's that's a comforting thing for the future, I think. yeah. Um, what do you think are the kinds of stressors nurses go through today?
1: I think the workplace has become a more stressful place simply because you are dealing with sicker patients, and you don't have the luxury of being able to see a patient after they've gotten kind of well like we did Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of pressure put on nurses to make everybody happy and that's just not going to happen there are some people that are just miserable people even when they're well they're miserable people but i think there's a lot of pressure put on uh you know they call it pr and I, I'm all for good PR, but, you know, there there comes a point when you can't do anymore. The other thing that I I worry about as nurses get older, um, and I know that everybody loves 12-hour shifts.
0: I don't anymore. <laughs> and,
1: you know, but as, as, unfortunately, as you get older, you get tired faster. And I, I think that you're going to see nurses dropping out of nursing earlier and not working until they're 65, just... Because physically they can't handle the 12-hour shifts. And I, I know, I used to tell myself if I told you you had to work a 12-hour shift, you would have all, you know, <sighs> rode me out of town or a rail sort right, of thing. But, right. uh, but they loved it because they, they worked big blocks of time, mm-hmm. and then they had big blocks of time off. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The work-life balance is essential these days. Yeah. As I'm sure it was back then, too. How do you how do you if you ran a hospital right now how would how would you combat that how would you empower your nurses or your staff in general all of your caregivers to to help them be resilient
1: Uh that's a really good question and I I think I think one thing that you can do is that I and I I know this is as a boss um I probably didn't praise people enough because you just, somebody is really good, you just expect them to be really good. And some of that is okay, but I th- I think that I probably didn't give people maybe as much credit as I should have. Um, the other thing is that when I first started in supervision of nursing, you know, you were supposed to be the end all of everything. So you were the one that made the decisions and everybody had to live by them. And that, that's hard making decisions all the time. I, I was fortunate enough that I had always had absolutely fabulous people on my staff, people that were smart, that were self-starters, aggressive uh, with ideas and so forth. And um, I used to spend hours every when I first started out trying to make out a schedule. And you had this book that people wrote on, I need Tuesday the second off because I have a dental appointment.
0: Mm-hmm. We still do that. <laughs>
1: And I'm, one day I thought, you know, I'm spending all this time trying to figure out a schedule. And then there's always something that's not right. Right. I proposed to my staff that we work on a master schedule. And that we do a schedule and it just rotated forever that way until the whole group said we all want to change. And that they could, they could do the schedule themselves. But they wanted they wanted to keep their holiday schedule where you signed up so that if you worked Christmas last year, you didn't have to work Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. So I said okay, and I put out posted the schedule. And somebody said, "Well, you changed my days off." I said, "Well, you can't have Christmas off and stay on your master schedule. You know, it doesn't work that I can't way." Can't please everybody. And uh, why can't we just stay on the master schedule, and then we'll make our own trades? And the, you know, we can trade, but. You know, can't have overtime involved. Mm.
0: Well,
1: that you know, everybody has to agree. Mm-hmm. Now I've got forty people on my staff, so that means forty people have to agree. And they said, "Oh, we'd like that." Then uh, we, that way we have control, Established a master schedule, and to get it by the WSNa, uh, we said we're trialing it. To my knowledge, I think they're still trialing it. That's twenty <laughs> years later. So, <clears throat> but, but. You know, but she, the nurse was right. We have control. Mm-hmm. And that's what they, they wanted. So I think that by giving nurses control, and they find that it isn't always as easy what, as what they thought.
0: Just helping them feel empowered will help them
1: work longer. But they longer. do feel empowered, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And it was kind of the same thing when they decided that they would like to wear scrubs. I mean, because nurses are always wearing
0: uniforms. This fascinates me, this topic <clears throat> of having to go from skirts and and tights to... So I
1: said, well, number one, you've got to get it through the hospital because it comes with budget on it. Um, but they had they had to work through the whole process. I said, I'm going to stay out of it. Did the hospital
0: no. pay for the original uniforms, or did nurse were nurses responsible? Uh,
1: they were they were no no the scrubs the scrubs were uh, the hospital provided scrubs. Okay.
0: Before that, though, the the white uniforms and oh, the, you and had I to can, buy your own. You uniforms. had to buy your own. Okay.
1: <clears throat> we 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 were blue and white check dresses and over that we had white aprons bottoms and then you uh so when we were probing the first six months you just wore the apron and then when we got a capped uh we got a bib and there was these things were laundered by the hospital laundry you could stand them up oh my so so starch starch. Ugh. And we wore these awful, awful, awful white shoes. Polished, of course,
0: mm-hmm.
1: every night. Mm-hmm. And shoestrings washed.
0: At the end of your career, what, as an administrator, what did you wear? Did you wear scrubs or did you just wear like. No, your... I, I wore suits. You just, okay.
1: Um, because I had a lot of uh, outside uh, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Brett's Success loved me because when I retired, I donated all my suits and blouses.
0: So we're calling it more than forty years of nursing. Yeah. So what um, what kept you? You said you tried to retire a few times, and they kept offering you better and better things to yeah. keep you there. So what exactly kept you in nursing for that long period of time?
1: Uh, well, one thing I like to eat, <laughs> and so I had two raise. You know, I had two children to raise, mm-hmm. and I needed to provide a living for them.
0: Yeah. What do you think nursing will be like in the future?
1: I have no idea. I don't think I have that good of an imagination.
0: <laughs> Do you think we'll still be wearing scrubs? Oh, probably not. it will probably be something strange, like spray paint or something <laughs> like that. We sort of glossed over it a little bit, but is there anything specific you would change about the nursing profession
1: i i would like I would like to see the education part of it be given a little bit more. Consideration in terms of so that when you when you're finished with your schooling that you can actually go out and do a job mm-hmm. and get a job and be a productive member and i'm i don't I don't know how to how to quite format that yeah you're kind of led to believe if you get you know the book learning and and that sort of thing that you know you can you can be a productive member oh, yeah. and you, and you can't you learn a lot about people by talking to them mm mm-hmm. And so you've never had the opportunity to take care of somebody when you're going to school
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and and learning to get to know that person and what and what works for that person doesn't work for somebody else and and I know when we were in nursing school, and we used to laugh about this, but the philosophy at that time was that you didn't know how a patient felt unless you actually had experienced it and I was in school during uh the real huge polio outbreaks. And <clears throat> Good Sam had the main with the iron lungs mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Emmanuel was kind of their backup. Because a lot of pay- other hospitals didn't even do those. They would just transfer them to other hospitals. And as part of our learning experience, we actually went into one of the old iron lungs.
0: Like you, you yourself. They put you, the, stu- we were, the we, nurse. We the went nurse. in
1: and they had people standing by, you know, because it takes over for you 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 can't breathe on your own it the machine takes over oh my over. god and we knew that we were only going to go in and come right back out again is sort her of thing mm-hmm. but i remember it was the first time i had ever felt claustrophobic i would have never ever been able to imagine how somebody felt that really has claustrophobia had i not gone through that experience and I think that made me much better at taking care of those patients. Totally. Because when I said, I know how you feel, I did know how you feel. And we um, I remember we also had to teach uh, diabetic patients how to give their own insulin shots. Mm-hmm. And in order to show them how easy it was, of course, you had to demonstrate on yourself. <laughs> and so the night before you were teaching the class, you know, you're up in your room with your syringes and your thing you know saying i can't do it, I can't do it. Ooh. <laughs> because so i walk into my first class that i'm going to teach diabetic teaching and there sits francis maxwell my fourth grade teacher oh my god <laughs> that's how i felt like oh my god <laughs> and of course one of the things was you know everybody introduced them him and, and i remember it, she was such a wonderful woman and it came to her and she said well she said, I knew Beth because I was her teacher in the fourth grade. said, I'm sure, sure that she will be just as good a teacher as I was. Oh. You know? Uh-huh. <sighs> and I did my demonstration. I gave myself the shot and showed yep. them all how easy it was to do.
0: Wow. Did you use saline? I imagine you used saline. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I imagine you used saline and not actual insulin to inject oh. yourself. What did you use to in- inject yourself to show them?
1: Oh, you, you you had it. You drew up normal saline. Normal saline, in okay. a certain thing. Okay. So those good kind of experiences you don't get anymore. Observing.
0: I agree. I agree. You have to be in it.
1: Yeah. The nurse that taught us pharmacology. Now this this was a story that anybody that ever had Mrs. McFadden will will tell you the same story. She. Uh, she, as senior students, she would, we, you know, we were passing meds, uh-huh. senior students, in little cups that we had, mm-hmm. and uh, as a senior student, she'd meet you in the hallway and she'd say, "Why is this patient getting this drug? What's the minimum and maximum dosage? What are the signs and symptoms of toxicology?" And if you didn't get it, you didn't give that drug. She once gave a pop quiz, and we all flunked it. Well, not every. Two or three people got it, but and she marched into that lecture hall the next day, and I don't remember what all she said, but I remember her parting words, because that was when nurses wore capes, mm-hmm. and she you know, she always wore her cape, and she was always immaculately dressed, stiff starched uniform, you know, not a hair out of place, and she stood there in front of our class, and she said. And if you do not hang by my every word, by my word you will hang. <gasps> Flipped on her, marched out the hall. It was not a sound, not a sound in that
0: room. I have children. Nobody ever missed her class. Mrs. McFadden? Huh? Mrs. McFadden? Mrs. McFadden. Whatever happened to Mrs. McFadden? I have no idea. So by my calculations, I have thirty plus years until I legally can retire, which seems like my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> right. Think. What pearls of wisdom do you have for those of us who have long careers ahead?
1: I think don't look at it as a long period. <clears throat> break 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 it into chunks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if it's something you don't like, you're doing, you can you can do it for a certain amount of time and it probably will change your past. Mm-hmm. I, I think <clears throat> if I learned anything in getting to be 85, um, it's just, it's not that important. Many things that just, you know, would drive me up the wall are just not that important
0: and just don't worry about it. Is there anything else about your career, your life you'd like to share?
1: It was an interesting it was a very interesting career. Uh, if I had to go back and do it again, I probably would scare myself to death because I, <laughs> doing something new and different is is, uh, it's scary. But when you, you're in the moment, you don't realize you're in the moment.
0: Um, so you've been retired twenty years now.
1: I, I retired in nineteen ninety five, uh, January of nineteen ninety
0: So in that twenty years, how have you been enjoying your retirement? Uh well, when I first
1: retired I did a lot of traveling. Uh I took at least one really big trip every year. Really enjoyed doing that. I'm not I'm not doing much traveling anymore. Just because flying is such a hassle. I don't like being put in a tin can and
0: <laughs> after the iron lung, lung experience, crap, I <laughs> crap <laughs>
1: sitting there you can't even move your, around. I've certainly enjoyed uh watching my grandchildren grow up. That's been real, real fun. Because when I when I first moved down here, uh, my youngest grandchild was she was three years old when I moved in here, and she has four older brothers, and so they were all going to come in with my son and help help Grandma move, and she announced that she was coming too, and I remember standing in this kitchen because I packed a box where she could unpack it and everything, and she'd say, "And where does this go, Grandma?" Uh, she's now sixteen. So you know she's come a long way since she was
0: mm-hmm.
1: the little one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's been it's been fun to see them all grow up. Are you a great grandma yet? Oh yes, I have uh, five great grandchildren.
0: My goodness,
1: they're, my my daughters—they're all my daughters. Uh, her her kids were older.
0: You have a spectacular and, view. And now
1: and now they all have cars and they cart me around. So that's
0: nice. <laughs> Would you get in a driverless car? Do you, do you know what I mean like, like oh, these you, automated cars I would wish you get they'd in one I've gotten
1: on the ball and done that before I quit driving <laughs> During the holidays they just come in and get me and take me places and That's nice It's I, nice. I find that I really enjoy not driving I get to see all those scenery and <laughs> right
0: What's your favorite pastime now in your retirement you said you traveled a lot initially but now you've, you you said you're really active Just are there like activities around here you oh, like doing Oh well
1: there's Lots and lots of activities here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I'm on the foundation board. Mm. I'm on the library committee. I'm on the computer committee. Um, I'm on the welcome committee. I'm on the ethics committee.
0: Beth, you run this place. Huh? <laughs> you run this place. Well,
1: no, not really. <laughs> other people. But it's, it's just a place where there's a lot of uh, uh, things going on. There's, you know, and you can be as active as you want or... Or not. Right. It just depends on what you like to do. Yeah. Fortunately, my health's been good that I've been able to do these things. So. Good. Good.
0: Well, I wish you a very happy continued retirement. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories and your history with me. That was, that was fabulous. That was, that was fantastic. Beth Reed, you're phenomenal. <laughs> You've just finished Episode 7 of Head to Toe. Stay tuned for another interview episode coming up this week or next, depending on how much time I can devote to editing on my days off. As always, if you feel like you'd be a good fit for the show or an interview or have something to talk about regarding hospital life or medical history or any just anything in general, if you like Head to Toe and you want to talk to me about it, shoot me an email, macmillanpages at gmail.com. Also, feel free to look me up on Facebook, Marie McMillan, or check out my website, mariemcmillan.com. Also, one more thing. If you have some feedback for the show and um, just aren't good at email or typing or whatever, feel free to leave me a voicemail on the podcast feedback line, which is 503-512-0185. One more time. Podcast feedback line is 503-512-0185. Okay, I've taken up enough time of yours already, and I'm going to go now. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Take care.